On today's podcast, from the North Wahala Church of God, a special Easter message from our current series, No Man Ever Spoke Like This Man. Today's message is from Easter Sunday, April 1st, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. We're going back to John chapter 2, verse 13. We're in the middle of a series entitled, No Man Has Ever Spoke Like This Man. We're using this as a backdrop when the, the temple guards were sent to arrest our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they go out and they begin hearing him talking about everlasting life and rivers flowing out of their belly of joy. Instead of arresting the Savior, they were arrested by our Savior. Not with handcuffs, but their heart was arrested. And they show back up at the temple and they tell their masters, we don't have him. We dropped the ball. And they said, why? And they said these words, we don't know, but only thing we can tell you, nobody has ever spoken the way this man spoke to us. How do you know that in 1996, he spoke to me and it changed my life. I was an alcoholic. I was wandering through parties. I was bound by sin. I sold things I shouldn't have sold. I'd done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. But when I heard him speak my name, it changed my life forever. No man spoke to me the way. And you were testimonies of that same power and that same grace. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Word. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Verse 15. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out all the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers of money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, it was prophesied, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Verse 18, we'll go to verse 22 this time. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it back up. And the Jews said, it's taken us 46 years to build a temple. And you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking, I left this out this morning at the first service, and I want to press it in a second. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. I want to preach just for a few moments. No man has ever spoke like this man. I'm going to focus when he said, destroy it, and three days I'll raise it back up. How many know on Friday he was crucified, but there came a Sunday, and he came out of that grave, and he is alive. And since he is alive, you and I are alive today. And we're victorious. The same power that raised Jesus up from the dead, the scripture says, lives inside of your mortal being. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. That means you can be victorious. That means you can live a better life. That means you can live a sanctified life. That means you can be an overcomer. No addictions, no boundaries, no limitations. In Christ Jesus is the fullness of Almighty God. Can somebody say amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated while you're seating. High five your neighbor and tell them it's good to see them in church. Amen. No man has spoke like this man. Of all the things that our Lord has said that give me life and give me power, 
If I only had his words alone, it would be sufficient for me. I tell people all the time, just take the words of Christ. If you don't believe anything else, Old Testament, epistles, revelation, if you don't understand what the, in the totality, the book of Acts, the New Testament church, just take his words. Watch how he gives. Watch how he sacrifices. Watch how he loves. Watch how he pulls people to himself that they might be better. And not just better, that they might be saved. They might be healed. He takes the brokenness of the people of the world. The lady that had five husbands and living with a man, he didn't outcast her or send her down the road to some religious outside category. He didn't put her outside the margin. He said, no, come drink of this water. Just the words of our Savior, they give me such life. He says, I'm the door. I'm the shepherd. I am the water. I am the bread. Showing us that whatever need we may have in this life, our God is sufficient all by himself. He is a good, good good God, and he has been very good to me. But that most outlandish thing to the Pharisees didn't bother me, but truly it bothered them. And being Easter, I want to use this in the series as my backdrop. He tells them, he says, destroy this temple. He didn't say, I will destroy this temple. He said, destroy this temple. They try to use this later against him in the book of Mark, but they were confused because the eyewitnesses could not agree to the same thing. The Bible teaches us that at that time, they had to agree or testify. You know how it is. I saw Russell driving 98 miles per hour and running the stop sign right here up here at Springbrook. Russell said he didn't do it. He looks at Michael Terramano, who was a policeman in this county, and he tells my he says, Michael, you're a liar. I know you go to church, but I don't like you. And I don't like your preacher either, which is me. Amen, you're listening. But I saw him. I was outside shooting basketball with my son. And I was looking. I said, look at our associate pastor. He thinks this is a Daytona 500. He went right by. So I come forward and I testify. I say to them, I saw this. I saw this with my own eyes. Now, Pastor Russell, he is convicted people have agreed to the same thing. That's what they try to do with Jesus. When they were trying to destroy him, they wanted to testify that he said he would touch their temple. He never said, I will touch your temple. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise up the temple in three days. The problem was they didn't understand the temple that he spoke of. They were so protective of brick and mortar and what he spoke of was not brick and mortar. It's the same with the day. There are people that will fight you over their denomination. They'll fight you over their church. They'll fight you over grandma's grave somewhere out there in the courtyard. They will fight you over a pew because their name is on the side of the pew, but they will not fight for the kingdom of God. I like what Jesus said. This kingdom is not my world. I'm speaking of another kingdom. Listen, saints, we're not about the earth's kingdom. We're about the Father's kingdom in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Totally different than this morning. They said to him, they, they, they're astonished. They, they hear this absurd comment and it offends them. You're gonna touch our temple and tear it down and build it up in three days? It was so powerful and so mad. It drove them so mad that in Matthew, it says, I believe it's 27, Joy, that when Jesus was on the cross, they passed by, blasphemed, wagged their heads and said in verse 40 this, you said you'll destroy the temple or you who destroy the temple and build it in three days. Why don't 
you just try to save your own self? They were saying to Jesus, big boy, foolish man that you are, you false prophet, you bragged about building this temple up. Why don't you just try getting off that, that cross? This was a mockery of the enemy, a plot to deceive our Lord and Savior. But he being the perfect sacrifice and lamb of God, he has not belittled by or be twisted by the words of man to drive him out of the will of God. For he told us he had come to do the will of his father who had sent him in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? amen? This was so absurd that when he was dying, they came back to him and instead of all the miracles and all the good things that our Savior did, they bring up this statement in John 2 which says, you who said you would build the temple in three days and you can't even take care of your own self. Let me tell you what this really means and, and then I'm going to talk to you about what he's trying to build in your life this morning. First of all, you got to understand the backstory. The backstory is what always gets us to the point. I never like for my son to tell me what happened. I want to know what happened before what happened. Did I got in trouble. I was defending myself. But what happened before that? I told you I was defending myself. But what did you do before that? Oh, I called him ugly. Oh, so you left something out, right? Oh, I'm the only one that has a child like that. That's okay, amen. God sent you to pray for me. The backstory is when Jesus shows up in John 2, he enters the place of the temple. This is not the original tabernacle, but don't want to get too bogged down there in theology, but understanding the tabernacle, the temple now, Herod's temple, and when he shows up in the outer court, there's all these tables there. It, that's not a bad thing. The tables were there for those who would travel on their journey, the Passover, to celebrate the Passover. Everybody would come to the temple to make sacrifice. Once a year, the sacrifice was made for their sins. They would sacrifice pigeon, lamb, oxen. This was done for them. But there was a problem. Brother, there was a problem in the house. And, and the problem was this, that when they would get there, there were the religious elite who was set up and instead of doing right by the people of God, they took advantage of the people of God. They would sell things at a higher price. They would sell things that should not be sacrificed. And somebody would say, why didn't they just bring their own? Many theologians feel like that it would not be accepted. You understand? How many ever tried to take a drink into a restaurant where they have drank because you wanted to save money? My wife's family done that, but don't tell her I said that. Amen. It embarrassed me greatly. But they wanted to save money and the lady at the restaurant said, you can't do that. You drink our drink or you won't drink anything at all. You just got to know my wife's people. They're from Kershaw, South Carolina. But to make it, don't tell her I said that. But to understand that's what they were saying. We're going to take advantage of you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's kind of like taxes. But anyway, we're going to take advantage of you and there's nothing you can do about it. So not only would they sell things at a higher price, they had to take their money and move move it into a, what's called a temple currency so that it can be used in the temple. So not only would they exchange money exchangers, but they would make it for a price and then raise the price. Jesus shows up. This should have been a place of worship. This was the place where God would come down and commune with his people. From Genesis to Revelation, God has had one desire to be with his people. You, his greatest creation. You, the creation that he made. You, the creation 
that's been touched by sin, not of your own doing, but when Adam fell, we all fell. The enemy is trying to keep us from God because in God we live, we move, and have our being. And in God we are perfected. Me outside of God, I'm nothing. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad father. I'm bad with my finances. I'm so silly. I'm so stupid in my own flesh. When I was lost, I was arrogant and prideful and undone. I thought I was the best of the best. But the day I got saved, I realized if it had not been for the Lord, I would have made it this far. It was God's grace and God's mercy that kept me through the foolish part of my life. And if he can keep me through that, then he can get me through this and take me on in my journey. Oh, my goodness. Y'all gonna preach me out my bow tie this morning, amen? I know it's crooked. Just bear with me just for a moment. I'm feeling Pentecostal. Understand what he's saying. God is trying to get to them. Jesus shows up, and when he shows up, he sees his people, the broken people. Oh, mm, they sung about that redemption. Those whose broken lives now touched by him. Those people who had a, a wife and a friend on the side and it got them in trouble. Those people who had an abortion. Those people who live godly or live good but wasn't saved. Those people who have cancer in their, their bodies. Those people, because of the color of their skin, they wouldn't accept it into the church 40 years ago. Those people, because their mama was this and their daddy was that, nobody else wanted to give them a shot at the church. Not our church, not their church. Just to say church. You understand about the people? Jesus shows up. The people he came to die for. The people he came to be broken for. He shows up and now they can't get to God because of the foolishness of the church. So what does he do? He calls a business meeting. What does he do? He calls Cleveland. What does he do? He calls the president. What does he do? He calls somebody and says, listen, now I know your mama. No, 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 no. He grabs some whips. He grabs, are you listening? I, I know this is not, this is not uh, secret sensitive. I know this is not proper preaching for a modern day congregation. But he grabs some whips and he begins to clean the temple out. He just starts beating people as they're leaving. But Lord, I thought he loved us. Oh yeah, he loved you enough to correct you, sweetie. That's right. Your mama may not correct you, but Jesus will correct you. Lord, help me in this house. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He begins to clean. Then he starts turning over the money exchangers. He's making everybody mad because he's tearing down the playhouse of the enemy. Listen to me. This temple means nothing if God is not here. You can protect the stained glass, but I say protect the innocent. You can protect the pew, but I say protect the broken. But Brother Dolan, we might make Brother Holbrook's upset. We might get Joey upset. No, no. If they're true men of God, they're protecting you like I am. I'm not afraid of the playhouses of the pews or this or that. I'm afraid that we hurt those that are lost and undone. I don't want to meet my Savior and hear him say, you are more worried about tithe dollars than you were the cripple of your community. And while you babysit the church, you miss my presence in the house of God. I come to preach to somebody this morning. Are you listening? Now listen to me, not only does he turn over the tables, but he does so when it was the Passover, the place where they have come to honor the Old Testament practice, but to move forward. The place where heaven would touch earth, now heaven cannot because of the humanity that has been tainted by the sin of the world. This place that was supposed to be for healing is now a place of commerce for profit. And we preached in the past, maybe they shouldn't sell things in church. It really was not about the selling. It was about what they did in the selling. You understand what I'm saying? 
Are you listening? Somebody say amen. amen. All right, I got five people with me. Amen. He drives them out the temple. He pours out their coins. He said, you made my father's house a place of trade. Stay with me. Before this chapter ends, he says, father's house, temple, and then body. He wants them to understand what it should be, what it presently is, and what it will be. It's powerful. It should be my father's house. It is a temple to pacify or hold, but then's come in my body. That would be sufficient for all mankind. When he does this, the disciples see it and they say these words. Wow, he's really excited about this. He has zeal. You want to see me get mad? You, you don't get mad by talking about me. That, that, that happens. The maddest I've ever been in ministry was when Columbia, when I had a so-called person who claimed to know God, telling church business that wasn't even true, telling church business in front of a war veteran who I'd been meeting with privately, who was not saved, who I met with for months, and because they couldn't get a position, they tried to backdoor a position. And they tried to lie and manipulate on people. And then when that person heard it, he was so hurt, he said, if church people are like this, I'll never come back. Me and that man had a conversation. And I rebuked him. And I rebuked him strongly. I don't care if you talk about me. I really don't care if you talk about what I look like, my bow tie on my truck. I don't care. But when people need to come to God, and because of your immaturity and your lack of spirituality that you dressed up in religion because of your gospel tape or your gospel sticker or your softball t-shirt, I really don't care. But you keep people away from God, you're hindering the work of God and when you're hindering the work of God as he told Simon Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's excited. He's so excited that they don't understand that he'd already, it was already prophesied that his zeal for his father's house would clean out the Levites. And they begin to understand this when verse 25 he said, he himself knew what the man, what was in man. It was Jesus saying, I know what you're doing and why you're doing it. So when he turns this over, his disciples are standing back there probably like this. You know, you know the ones that always get you in trouble? Talking about, yeah, yeah, you want, you want to start something? Meet me at six o'clock. And they show up at 6.15 while you show up at 6? You know what I'm saying? It would be like Chris Grant and Joey telling me, I got your back. You just show up at 6 and we'll help you fight. And somehow they got stuck at Subway while I'm fighting five people by myself. That's what's happening here. And they're thinking, man, what's going on? But Jesus looks and says, I know what's in man's heart and I know what's going on. And then the Jews look to him because they miss it. Stay with me, stay with me, give me 15 minutes. They say to him on this, they say, listen, who do you think you are? Give us a sign if you claim to be who you claim to be. And Jesus tells us in another scripture that a perverse and wicked generation seek out their sign. See, some people just want God to be a show. God's gotta prove himself. You listen to me, brother. I look you in the eye and tell you in love this morning, God proved himself when he died for you while you were yet sinner. God loved you in your worst state to make you better that he might use you for his kingdom. Are you listening? Yeah. You love your little girlfriend because you see her with makeup on her hair done. You didn't see the three hours. Just wait till you marry her and you wake up the first time the next morning. <laughs> and her breath smells like yesterday's meal. She looks at you and says, do you love me? And you're gonna say, God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> right? 
every man's like, no, not me, preacher. I ain't saying a word. <laughs> but you understand, he loved you while you were lost in your worst day when you touched, when you done wrong, when you drank wrong, when you did this or did that. God loved you while you were yet lost. And with this zeal, and they want a sign. He says to them, you want a sign? You already missed the first sign. The first sign was me cleaning you out this house. That was the first sign. He said, but I'll give you a sign. And this speaks to the Easter service. He said, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it back up. Now listen, that physical building did fall a few years later. That's really not what he was talking about. The present temple, they had already destroyed because of their actions. But he was not talking about building a brick and border. He was talking about himself. Up to this point, the place of worship was the tabernacle, was the temple. But John 4 lets us know that when Jesus comes, we no longer have to go to a certain building. We no longer have to go to a certain priest or preacher. We no longer have to go just to Jerusalem or to some religious Mecca or this or that. The Bible says that you, you lost person, you backslidden preacher, you person that needs touch of God, he says you can come boldly to the throne of grace wherefore you might obtain mercy. In England a hundred years ago, they fought over this very theology. Why? Because they felt like man should not come to God on his own. Let me tell you, Hebrews tells us that we have one high priest now. His name is Christ Jesus the Lord. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's kicked the door open. He is the door of heaven. He says to all, if you want new life, you want through me and I'll take you to the Father in my name. Come on, give God praise in this house. Pastor, break it down a little more. Okay, let's do that. In three days, I will raise it back up. When he's crucified, they throw him in the grave. He cries out, it's finished. They put him in the tomb, but three days later, he arose. And when he arose, he arose victorious. By doing that, they don't understand. He is prophesying, foretelling, foreshadowing his death that is to come. They were trying to protect a building, a building that was flawed because man there was flawed. He was not there to protect or prop up their building. He was there to stand there and say, here's the new temple. It is me. It is me. Why? Because I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Listen to me. This new temple that was raised is Jesus Christ, Father's house temple body. The body says in John 4, when the woman who had five husbands and was living with a man, she said, do I worship on that mountain or do I worship on that mountain? When Jesus got in her business and told her, you have five husbands as you're living with a man, she realized this man knows something about me. So she then says, what mountain do I worship on? He says, the hour comes and now is. I don't care what mountain you worship on. It doesn't matter if you're in Salem or if you're in Seneca. It does not matter. What matters if you go through me and you worship God in spirit and in truth. I come to preach to somebody with a bad reputation. I feel the Holy Ghost. There's a drug dealer in the house. I come to let you know this morning that God loves you. He'll forgive you. He's already made a way for you on the cross. You don't have to go by your old church. You don't have to talk to your old pastor. He doesn't have to be Baptist, Presbyterian, Church of God, nor Catholic. His name is Jesus Christ. He's a way maker. He's a yoke breaker. He's a divine healer. He's a saint fire. He'll pull you out and pull you in at the same time. I'm talking about a God that did it for me and if he can do it for me he can also do it for you. Yes. Ah, God's in this house. 
Matthew 12 and 6 says, I tell you something greater, the temple is here. Something greater than the religious building. I want to press this just a little bit further. Listen, when you understand this, that allows you to come this morning and you don't have to go through ritual form or fashion. Brother Noel, I've got to pay you so much money, right? No, no, no. No. Brother Nola, I've got to go through three deacons and 14. No, no, you don't. Well, Pastor Nola, I'm lost. I'm an adulterer. Brother, I got a filthy mouth. Okay. There's probably a choir member who got the same problem you got here. I was, I was just joking. I had fun. I felt that man. It was like, who's he talking about? Amen. <laughs> Y'all want to watch Danny now? I tell you. No, no, I, I'm just saying, you're no different than us. The only difference is the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus got up on the third day, he raised up the temple, but it was not brick and mortar. He was letting death, hell, and the grave know I am God then, now, and forevermore. And no longer will my people have to stand in line and buy and be manipulated and be taken advantage of. I cannot stand when preachers take advantage of people. Don't tell me about what you're selling. Don't tell me about what I've got to do to get to God. I don't have to pay you, bribe you, manipulate you, or kiss you to get from God. My God says I can call upon the name of my Lord and I shall be saved. I can be saved in Africa, Mexico, Salem or Society Hill, South Carolina. It doesn't matter because I don't have to pilgrim to a temple. I go in the name of Jesus Christ. Three days. I'm almost done. Will you understand when he raised himself up, everything is now better. Everything is better. You now have the chance for an abundant life. In this temple, now we have a risen Savior. Everything is better in the temple. Listen, as I close, in the temple, there were separations. There was only so far. Listen, you and I, we, to be honest, there's a few people that I know that this, go to our church as members. They could go further because of their heritage. But you and I, you and I, Gentiles, any, any, any Gentiles, in here, any, any non-Jewish people? Yeah. Any, amen. Anybody from Salem? <laughs> you understand, that's me, Society Hill, that's where I'm from. I'm on the outcast. If you go to my little county where I'm from and you mention Society Hill, they rub up their nose at it. Let me tell you, that's, that's where we're at right here. You understand that now it's better. See, the Israelites, the Jews here, they saw the temple for political reasons where it once used to be a place where God met. Now it's for political reasons. Listen to me. The church should still be the church. The church should not be for political gain. The church should not be for political agendas. It should not be for my family to rule or my, my denomination or my political party. It should not be used that I use this church for my benefit. This church is for the hurting and broken of our society and so now because of the new temple which is Jesus Christ the Lamb of God we don't have to stay outside and pray that a preacher will go for us there's no separation now in God it's like Danny said earlier he was raised in a glass house with a perfect mom and dad I wasn't raised that way anybody else not raised that way anybody know how it feels when you go home and mom and dad is fighting Anybody else how it feels to have a, a brother that was arrested a few times? 
That's my life. So when I came to the church and you told me about your righteousness and you showed me your religious holiness badges and, and you told me about how good you were and how bad I was, I didn't understand. I thought I could never be part of the body of Christ. You understand? Father's house, temple body. But one day I realized in Jesus Christ there is no wall of separation. There's no outer core, inner core, most holy or holy places. I can go through Jesus. I can cry, Abba, Father. He is my advocate and my intercessor. He's my bridge to get me from sin to almighty God. Thank God for Jesus Christ. He's better. Watch this. I'm almost done. Not only is there no separation, but in the Old Testament tabernacle, the doors, if you're on Wednesday nights, I've been teaching this, the doors are wide and the closer you get to God, they're narrow. But Jesus said in John 10, he says, I am the door. As a shepherd, he said, I am the shepherd. But at this moment, he says, I am the door. What would happen was, as the Easterns would guard their sheep, they were shepherds, not sheep herders, they were shepherds. As these shepherds would guard their sheep at night, they would make a corral. And they would put that corral so the wolves would not come in. But they would leave an opening at the door. And the shepherd would lay down at the middle of the door. And he would look at the sheep and says, nobody comes in tonight unless I say so. Sleep in peace. Don't worry about a thing. Nobody goes in or goes out unless they go through me. See, that's the difference between the old tabernacle temple and Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. There's only one way to the Father and anybody else comes another way. He is a liar, a thief, and a robber. That's John chapter 10. That's not my words. That's John 10. I'm saying it one more time. That's not my words. That's John chapter 10. He says, I am the door. That means tonight that if you're in Jesus Christ, when the winds are blowing against your life, your mother's in the hospital, your finances is upside down, I want to remind you that the enemy cannot get to you. You are protected by Almighty God. He is the door of heaven. He gives a better life. He stands there and says to you this morning, don't you worry about it. I'm your shield and your buckler and your protector. I will fight for you. You want a champion? He's the champion of all champions. You want a victorious warrior? Nobody fights like our Savior. He built that temple back up himself and now he's the door that lets us in and keeps us from all harm. Not only is he the door, but he says that you can go in and out and find green pastures. That means in him, everything gets better. If I'm not worthy, don't worry about it. You are in Jesus Christ. Last and I close. Since he now is the body, the temple where we worship, you understand what I'm saying? We don't have to go through religious formulas anymore. We just serve Jesus Christ. Amen? No more this. I'm trying to watch what I'm saying here. No more stuff that keep people from God. But the best thing I like about this sermon I'm delivering is that when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, the most important thing is that our God is beautiful. There is nothing tainted in Jesus Christ. Tainted is a word from the PD. I told them earlier, I tried to look for a Coney word, but I can't find it right now. It'll come to me on the way home. But what I mean by that word, the temple was tainted by man's hands and defiled. As they said to Jesus in Herod's court, I find no fault in this man. I've had people be good to me, but it didn't last long. I want you to hear me as I close. I've had people bless me, then also curse me out of the same mouth. I've had them tell me they love me and leave me, give me no warning or reason. One person said to me, if you'll just quit preaching and serving God, I love you, but I don't love you serving God. Rip my heart to the core. 
gave me the most precious thing in my life outside of my faith. God's been good to me. In the past, these temples that were tainted by man, where man seemed like in control, Jesus says, you destroy it. And I'll build it back up in three days. But what he built back up was not brick and mortar. He built up himself in resurrection power. He said in John 10, nobody takes my life. I'll lay it down. If I lay it down, I'll pick it back up. And listen, saints, when he picked it back up, it gave me resurrection power. The Bible said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Don't tell me you can't overcome. Don't tell me you can't walk away from your friends. Don't tell me you can't let that drug down. Don't tell me you can't stop drinking. Don't tell me you can't stop cheating on your wife. If God can do it in me, he can do it in you. Amen. Yes. Resurrection power. That's what he says. My savior is never tainted. To the woman at the well, he was not another lover. He was the love of all loves. I feel him. The lady called it the act of adultery. He could have stood on her and had political and religious gain. But instead he uses a pen of a pencil of a finger. And he begins to write in the sand so much that I believe that as he revealed their life, they begin to leave one by one. He left her there all alone. And he says, woman, I, I don't condemn you. I won't stone you as all the others have. Romans 8 says, Now there is therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus the Lord. Don't tell me about your prison. I don't hold it against you. I know you had DUI after DUI. I know, okay, that's your story, but I've got the same story. And if God can do it for me, he's not tainted. He is beautiful and lovely. He is the darling of heaven crucified. He is a spotless lamb of God. He is a lover of all lovers. And he's here this morning to love you and give you an abundant life. It's not a temple. It's not man's hands. It's not preachers or priests. It's the son of almighty God who died for your sins, who gets up to to give you a better, everlasting life. Brother Nolan, is he talking to me? Those are in the first service this morning, I preached almost a different, different, different way. There's somebody here I believe is about to get saved. And I don't know why the scripture stuck out in my mind, now I do. John 10, 4 through 16, he says this, I know my sheep and I am known by my own. He would even talk about those that would come after him, know his voice. At night, the shepherds would put their sheep together. They would street the numbers, but in the morning, they would stand up. And if this is my sheep right here, I'd call them out. I would say, April. I'd call them out by name. I'd say, Rhonda. Sister Chapman, Doug, they would know my voice, no other voice would they follow, and they would stand up and say, that's my shepherd. But Russell would get up here, and I would look out here, and I'd try to call their names, and I would say, Tyler, Tyler would come, because Tyler's not my sheep. But Russell gets up and says, Tyler, and Tyler follows the good shepherd. Jesus says, my sheep know me. And they know my voice. To those of you who are saved, you already know him. But he also said, for those that will come, they will know my voice. What you're feeling inside right now is the voice of Almighty God telling you, I want to be good to you. Right. 
Brother Nolan, I have a decent life, but not the abundant life. Let me tell you, until you lay down at peace at night and know that if you die, it's okay. Outside of missing my babies, my wife, God's been good to me. If I never preach again, if I die on the way to Society Hill today to see my father, God has been good to me. So you got to write on my gravestone. Don't brag on me. Don't say about preaching. Don't, God has been good to me. He is beautiful. He forgave me. He didn't manipulate and try to take from me. He didn't try to have a relationship with that woman who every other man then violated. No, he says, you drink of what I give you and you will never thirst again. He's beautiful today. And he wants to be beautiful in your life today. Tear it down and I'll raise it back up. He's here. He's alive. He did exactly what they said he couldn't do. Oh, no, he didn't rebuild the walls. He lifted himself up over all sin and says, come. Come all ye that are weak and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Call everyone, bring your marriage before the Lord. Young man, you might be the next Billy Graham, but you're selling yourself out. Tell me what you can't do, who your daddy was. Listen, you don't know, I'm first generation preacher in my family. First generation, first generation saved maybe man in my family. I come from a know-nothing town, from a family with a few reputations. But he's been good to me, Russell. He's been good to me because he's beautiful and lovely. He wants to be good to you today. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? He's alive. No man has ever spoke like this man. What do you mean, tear it down, build it up? Just what he said. And now we all sit here from different towns. Jose comes probably from the farthest town, don't you, Jose? Amen. He's on our stage now singing the gospel, the glory, preaching. How can we do that? He's the good shepherd at the door. He's beautiful, holy, and lovely. And he says to all today, come. Amen. Father, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I don't feel rebuke. I feel love flowing in this house. And I am praying for grown men today. God, if you were give us an army of grown men in Oconee, I'm not knocking the ladies. We need them. They've carried the load. But give me some grown young men who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't say perfect. They may be struggling now with addictions, pornography. I, I don't care. I just know you're beautiful and lovely. And if you can break it and do in my life, you can do in theirs as well. So this moment before they begin to sing, would you step out right now? You say, Neil, I don't know you, but you challenged me. And I, I, I want to know this Jesus. I don't want religion. I don't want religion. I want a relationship. Would you step out right now? Step out right now. We've already prayed for you. We've got your next, next steps. We're going to put somebody to walk with you. But you got to make the first step. You got to make the first step. Would you step out right now? Step out by faith. Step out by faith. Let go of the pew. Grab somebody's hand. Tell the person beside you, I need you to go with me. I can't do it by myself. I, I'm a man, but I, you know, this, this is different. This is tough. Would you step out? Come on, step out right now. Backslider, step out. Good saint, step out right now. 
Tear it down three days. I'll lift it back up. We have a young man. Can I have some men help me pray? Help me pray. Help me pray, please. Help me pray. Anthony, help me pray, please. Hallelujah. There's others that need to come. Would you come? Would you step out right now? By faith, tear it down. I'll build it back up in three days. The cross made the difference. Three days later, three days later, he's high and lifted up. I want to do one more thing, if you would help me, for those that would. Would you step out of your pew just as a body for those that can? I know it's a, a large crowd, but I just want for the congregation just to stand. I want to pray a prayer blessing over you before you leave. So if you would, just come quickly. Saints, come quickly. Nobody's forcing you. I want to pray a prayer over the body. And that'll give me a chance also to get to the front door so I can greet everyone. But this is going to be a worship prayer. He's alive, amen? If you're saved, you should be worshiping the Lord, amen? And while you're coming, let me say this. You say, Brother Neil, Pastor Neil, Neil, I don't care what you call me. Don't you listen to me. You say, it's my first time and you challenge me. I'm just not ready, but don't give up on me. I'm not. I'm not judging you. The whole message was letting you know I'm not judging you. But I am giving you opportunity. My number's in the bulletin. You can get a hold of me. I'll talk with you. I'll help you. You can be an overcomer in Jesus' name, amen? Let's pray this prayer. Father, right now in Jesus' name, you have been good to us. Father, I praise you. I thank you for salvation. God, there are people that are good people, but they've been through some hard things. There's people that have been hurt, and there are people here that have hurt people. I was both, God. I've been hurt, and I've hurt people. I can't lie. But God, if you could forgive me and make my heart clean. Some of you don't even know what peace is. You got money in your pocket, but you don't have peace. Money's fine. We all need it. But if you don't have peace, you'll spend every dime trying to find that peace. You'll trade friendships, relationships. You'll buy cars, the car, and everything else. Nothing wrong with buying in the proper uh, balance. But peace cannot be bought. It cannot be bartered or traded. Peace is no one that you know that I've been redeemed and I have a relationship not with a building or a religion, not with a denomination, but with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you just pray for the person beside of you now? Father, thank you for our friendships. Thank you for those that are here. I'm trying to make it easy for somebody this morning. God, I didn't do this in the first service. It's a totally different service. Father, I pray right now, God, for those who are here, that God, Lord, you bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them. Your countenance forever be bright. May they leave this place and talk about the word, the singing, the edification of the song that brought us into your presence. And Father, we'll give you praise. I'm thankful for every vessel. I'm thankful for every person. There's nobody here, God, Lord, that God, I take for granted. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Father, as we leave this place, God, go with us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you do me just one favor? Just, just stand right there. I'm gonna get to the back doors. Pastor Russell in here, where's he at? Hey, if you make your way. Sister Katie, would you come here one second? Sister Katie has wrote a closing poem for us for Easter. She's one of our senior citizens, our elders. She's one of our princesses of the church. Just stay right where you are if you can for a moment. She's gonna read this poem quickly and then I'm gonna come pray and I'm gonna get to the front door. If you're new, give me... 10 seconds of your time. Walk by and say, hey, Neil, uh, my first time, we'll get up this week or something. That's fine. You get my numbers in the bulletin, whatever. Text me, email me, whatever. I want to get, I live in this community. I'm not a traveling preacher. I'm not a TV preacher. I live right there. 
I'm in this community with you. This is my home now. And I want to get to know you. This is not the, the only church, but it's a good church because we're going to preach the word. We're going to love God. And we're going to love you and love people. Amen? Sister Katie, real quickly, if you come read this poem, and then I'm going to pray. Will you give her? years ago and he gave me this one this morning to uh, read sacrifice on the cross Easter is a very important day in the life of a man to know that Jesus followed God's plan he sanctified his life on the cross in order to save the lost let us look closely at the cross today for we know he could have had it another way. Was all his suffering done in vain? All the agony and the pain? No, all this he did endure so that our salvation would be assured. All are our children being misled by telling the Easter Bunny comes instead. Let us tell our children and those that are lost that Easter was bought with such a great cost. Now we bow our heads and say, Thank you, Lord, for Easter Day, for without your Son, our victory could not have been won. Amen. Listen, before you go, we love you. Thank you for filling out those visitors' cards. A lot's going on. No service this evening. We'll be back Wednesday night. Uh, be back with us. A lot of us will be traveling. I will be gone for a few days to see my father. Greet your neighbor. Tell us good to see them in church. We love you. Let me pray. Father, be with these people. May your face shine upon them. God bless everyone. You're free to go. We'll see you later.